out there in podcast land, you have set your dial once again to Combat Sports with Rhino, your first best and only all-encompassing combat sports podcast. We are on episode 47. If you can believe it, I certainly can. Today, before I bury the lead, we have our great guest, LFA's Bantamweight standout, Fernie Garcia, coming off of his huge win on Friday night in the LFA card. Super duper great guy. Very cool to talk to. Had some really cool insight on things. I hope you guys stick around and check that out towards the end of the show. So our schedule for today is that we've got a fun and busy one, folks. We have um, the co-main and main event coverage from Thursday's Bellator 250, the aforementioned LFA or Legacy Fighting Alliance uh, 49 from Friday. Las Vegas 12's full breakdown. Some big boxing uh, cards that happened last night that I got the information on. They have the uh, We have our picks for UFC Vegas 13. We got Drea's world famous drop of the night. Some fire Rhino Gang questions from the with a Q&A from the old G's of the Rhino Gang. And then out of Fortis MMA. Beautiful fucking win on Friday night. My man Ferdy Garcia goes 10 rounds of Rhino. So let's go ahead and get our slim chunks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in. So Bellator 250. The uh, co-main was Henry Corrales versus Brandon Gertz. This one was a very closely contested fight, back and forth, ebbs and flows on both sides. Henry Corrales got the split decision off of that one. Uh, so he was 17 and 5, moving into 18 and 5. Gertz falls to 16 and 10. Moving into the fight that we really, I think most of us who are MMA fans really wanted to see it was uh, Gegard Musasi, long time, you know, a high, high level guy in the MMA world, tons of fights, 46, 7 and 2 going in against Douglas Lima. 32 and 7. Everybody knows Douglas Lima as well. Um, this one ended up being pretty much uh, the beginning of the fights. So, our fight. Round one and round two, I gave to Musasi. Rounds three and four, I kind of edged over to Lima. Round five was all day Musasi. Clear three rounds to two. 185 pound belt is no longer vacant in Bellator. We have ourselves a champion in Gay Guard Musasi. Good on him. I think Douglas Lima is still a phenomenal fighter, and he'll probably spend most of the rest of his career, I'm guessing, uh, back down at 170 where he is uh, the champ. So getting into our LFA 94 breakdown, this one was like very close to my heart, right, because we had two of the homies from the Rhino gang on there. We had Joe Skeletor Gennetti, uh, who had a very tough fight against Aaron McKenzie. McKenzie did a great job of um, – shirking off any sort of sub-attempts that Joe was throwing up. The entire first round was almost entirely in a triangle, but McKenzie kept good top pressure and was able to beat Joe uh, very clearly in a unanimous decision. But I think Joe Skeletor today will be back. Nothing but love for my man Skeletor, so we'll see what happens next. Uh, and then the homie, the guy from today, our interview for today, Fernando Ferdy Garcia. Got a crazy split decision over Ryan Hayes. And what I say by crazy is he won all three rounds very convincingly, very clearly. Uh, Hayes had, had a couple late late takedowns. I, I don't know what that judge was talking about. They gave it to Hayes, uh, Ryan Hayes' opponent. But Fernie Garcia, beautiful crisp jabs, nice stand-up, did a good job getting out of the way. He ate a lot of leg kicks. I mean, that could be the only thing I could think of that the judges were watching over there in Kansas that somebody gave it to Hayes. But the right guy won. That's the most important thing at 135. My man, Ferdy Garcia, got a split decision victory over Ryan Hayes. I really expect to see him either in Bellator or in the UFC here very shortly because Ferdy Garcia is an upstart, and I'm stoked for him. So let's go in. We had lots of boxing last night, um, a little bit on Friday, but basically I'm just going to go over the top three that I that I watched and that I got into and that were kind of the most important, if you will. We had Alexander Usk versus Derek Chisora. 
uh, Alexander, I think this is only his second or his third fight into, into heavyweight. He was a longtime cruiserweight champ out of the Ukraine. He got a very clear unanimous decision win uh, over there in London at Wembley Stadium uh, versus Derek Chisora. Chisora is one of those guys who, like, he's super powerful. He has fought absolutely everybody uh, pretty much in the heavyweight division. He's a very good test for just for, uh, for, for Usk. So does this mean that Alexander is ready for the furies of the world and the AJs and the bronze bombers? Uh, I don't know about that one yet. They're huge compared to him. He's six, three, but he walks around at like two ten or something. So I don't know. I don't know, man. We'll have to wait and see, but good performance by him. Uh, then moving into the, uh, into the band weights. So we had Nauya Inui, who is the monster? He is badass. Uh, going against Jason Maloney. This one was a, this one was pretty much all in Newey all the way through. And then Maloney tried to step in for a uh, a wide kind of winging hook. And then Newey dropped a beautiful uh, little hammer straight right counter. Boom! Puts Maloney down. Fights over. TKO round seven. Now yet. Inui gets another win. He's undefeated still uh, over the tough Australian and Maloney. Then moving into Javante Davis over Leo Santa Cruz. I'm sure you guys have all seen the replay by now, but in the sixth round, Javante Davis hit Leo Santa Cruz with an incredibly hard, stiff uppercut that put Leo Santa Cruz out and over with. So clean KO in the sixth round for Javante Davis over Leo Santa Cruz. All right, now let's jump right into our UFC Vegas 12 breakdown. Now, literally, this was awesome. The prelims especially, dude. The prelims were a finish fest. Every fight was exciting. I, I really, really enjoyed the prelims. So first we had Miles Johns versus uh, Kevin Navidad. And I say, I'm just trying. It's not if, – I'm not even going to say I say Navidad because it's almost Christmas time. So we're going to call it that. So uh, Miles John and, and and Kevin had a great uh, – you know, first couple of rounds, lots of backs and forth. It was definitely Miles was getting the better of him. And then in the third, dude, whoo, boy, an upper, speaking of uppercut chaos, Miles Johnson, a beautiful uppercut while Kevin was actually looking down. So he even made the impact worse. Put him down, put him out. Big win for Miles Johns in our opening prelim at 135. Moving into then Justin, Dustin Jacoby versus Justin Ledette. Uh, Jacoby, was his leg kicks were on fire last night, dude. He dropped Justin Ledette just by leg kicks. And then as Ledette kind of got up to his feet, a couple of right hands, put him back down, ended the fight. J- uh, Dustin, it's funny when you have a guy named Justin and Dustin. We ran into that with Gacy and Diamond. So Dustin beats Justin. <laughs> My first round TKO and a good fight for uh, Dustin coming back from his long layoff and then his contender series win. Uh, moving into Jason Witt versus Cole Williams at 170. Early takedown for Witt. Uh, he implemented some GMP pretty much all of round one, opened up a cut. Um, another takedown for Witt. Basically, he got the sub via head and arm choke in the second round. Uh, it was all Jason Witt the entire time. I know Cole Williams came in uh, looking a little bit out of shape. I don't know if that's how he normally looks. It, it wasn't a good performance from him. So, Jason Witt, good on you, buddy. Big win at 170. Moving into middleweight. Sean Strickland versus Jack Marshman. Jack Marshman, the tough Welsh brawler versus Sean, Sean Strickland, who was just talking the entire fucking time. It was it was interesting, dude, especially with no crowd there to hear everything he was saying. He was yelling things like, why won't you fall? And, and so on and so forth. It was really nice ones and twos and leg kicks by Strickland throughout the entire fight. Um, he outlanded he outlanded him 80, 88 to 50. That's Strickland over Marshman. So this was very clear, unanimous decision for Strickland. Uh, good win for him at 185. 
I think Marshman has hasn't hasn't won in a while. I hope he can get back on track, or maybe head back over to a different promotion where he can uh, get some success because it's been a rough goal for Jack Marshman as of late. All right, moving into my homie uh, Headkick Audio, his boy Adrian Yanez versus Victor Rodriguez. This one was awesome. <laughs> Holy shit! Early clinch that that led into like a pretty much a firefight between both guys just standing and banging. Adrian Yanez. <clears throat> excuse me, or Yanez, however you, or whichever way you pronounce it, gets a huge high head kick over Victor Rodriguez, puts him down, puts him out. Big, big win for the kid, Adrian, coming off of uh, his his awesome quick knockout on the Contender Series as well. Huge show off for him. Shout out to my boy, Head Kick Audio, because he's he, that's his guy, and we're all really stoked for him. It's uh, it's cool, man. Like, sometimes if, if you have a show and you – uh, you get to know some of these fighters on a personal basis, and they do become like friends. And it's always great to see them compete and get a big win like that, particularly in their uh, in their UFC debut. So very cool. And shout out to my man Steve Overhead Kick Audio. So moving into Alexander Hernandez, Alexander the Great Hernandez versus Chris Gutzmacher. Um, this one was a beautiful drop, dude. He, uh, Alexander threw a beautiful Chris or four punch combination. Uh, hurt uh, hurt Chris pretty bad. Put him down. Put him out. Another big win, uh, first round TKO for Alexander Hernandez. I'm not calling him the great. I don't. Uh, I'm not co-signing. <laughs> that leads our way into the main of uh, main card. We had uh, Bobby Green versus Thiago Moises. Again, Bobby Green, man, it's one of those conundrums, dude. He's had a ton of split decision losses. He's been on some good wins as of late. And then I thought he was winning that fight last night. Uh, Thiago Moises was was throwing harder, and when he landed, it made an impact, right? But Bobby Green was just chipping away at him the whole fight. Uh, he outlanded he outlanded Thiago like two to one almost, I believe, and still Thiago got the unanimous decision over Bobby Green. I didn't agree with it, but I'm not a judge, so Thiago Moises got the unanimous decision at 155 over Bobby Green. I, I yeah, Bobby Green. I think the only thing I can think of at this point is just he's got to he's got to step up the uh, the output. That's the only way I can see that being changing because he, he deserved to win that fight in my opinion last night. So uh, yeah, so Bobby Green loses Thiago Moises at one fifty five. Uh, then we'll move into the heavyweight division. Greg Hardy beat Maurice Green. That's enough about that. Second round TKO. Moving on, we got Kevin Holland versus uh, late replacement Charlie Ontiveros. And this one, man, this one started out like firecrackers, dude. Just completely guys throwing axe kicks and high hard kicks and spinny shit. It was awesome. Um, at, at one point, Charlie Ontiveros kind of got his back taken by Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland kind of snatched him by the neck. They went down. I think, I think it knocked the wind out of Charlie. I also think that he, he might have got a stinger, which we call a stinger in football. Is kind of when a nerve gets pinched and you get kind of like almost like a like a warm, tingly, burning sensation through you. It is scary, and I'm not sure if that's exactly what happened. That's kind of what I thought happened by that. So, uh, Charlie Ontiveros, I'm glad he's okay. I saw him posting pictures with Izzy later, so he was okay. He got taken out on a stretcher, but that was just for precautionary measures. So, Kevin Holland, another win at 185, and then the, the subplot to that story is him and Izzy were talking some shit. Kevin was leaning his head over the first. It was like, you're my boy. You know, you're my boy. And then I don't know what else they were saying to each other, but clearly it wasn't friendly. And then Izzy, the camera pans over to Izzy and Izzy does the crazy person. <laughs> so that might be something, something we could see down the line. I don't know, man, uh, but I, Hey, I give it to Kevin Holland, man. He had the squeaky wheel gets the grease in this situation. So good on him. Big one for Kevin Holland. Uh, coming off of his last win versus Darren the Dennis Stewart. 
Moving into the 145 pound division in our co-main, we had Bryce Mitchell versus Andre Feely. Uh, this one was a tale of Bryce Mitchell doing what Bryce Mitchell does in the first round. Double leg, stays on top, top pressure. Didn't land a ton of ground and pound in this fight because Feely was so, you know, squirrely and scrambly. He did a good job defensively. The second round, I actually gave to Andre Feely. I thought uh, the time they had on the feet, he landed better. He landed harder. He was, you know, he was shirking off the takedowns from Bryce. But then in the third, we came back to uh, Thug Nasty's fight. More takedowns, more top position, a little bit more ground and pound. Feely did some good stuff from the bottom. I think he opened up. Um, I think he opened up Bryce with a with an elbow, upper elbow from the bottom. I think that's where that cut came from. I'm not 100% sure, but <clears throat> another win for Bryce Mitchell. He's, he's still undefeated in the UFC. Andre Feely drops another one. Um, again, it's hard for me to really co-sign on Bryce Mitchell. I like him as a fighter. I don't like a lot of the stuff that he says. It's kind of that tough battle that a lot of us, you know, struggle with, with do we just like the fighter? Do we like the fighter and the personality? How do we separate them? Do we separate them? Yeah, it's kind of one of those deals for me, which I struggle with on Bryce Mitchell. Um, but yeah, he got a big win last night, so good on him. Then moving into the legend, Anderson Silva, and was presumably going to be his last UFC fight, at least, even though he had two more fights on his contract. Um, I think they're pretty much they're parting ways. Anderson Silva versus Uriah Hall. Um, first round, Anderson looked good. He was a little bit more aggressive. He landed a little bit more. I gave the first round to Anderson. Second round, single shots is what Uriah was throwing. Anderson was throwing a little bit more combinations, a few more kicks, like that little spinning body kick he does. Um, that one could have gone either way, but I did edge it to Anderson, but I would have had no problem if Uriah was given the card, uh, given the 10 9 on that one for, for on the on the judge's scorecard. It was a busier third round by by both guys, right? They were both kind of picking up the intensity, throwing more shots with more emphasis on them, if you will. Hall dropped Anderson towards the end of the third with a big right, hit him with one good shot on the ground, and that was pretty much And then Anderson got it covered up and then did a single leg on the referee. <laughs> and then, unfortunately, in the fourth round, man, Uriah dropped Anderson with a step back right and then some more shots while Anderson was on the ground and Uriah was over top of him. Fight ended. It was over. I'm sorry, the, the grappling of the leg was in the fourth round, not the third, my bad. But, uh, yeah, dude, um, I hate to see it. I hate to see Anderson go out like that, but it is time. Now, if he he looked good, don't doubt about it, but he's 45. He's been through the ringer. I mean, golly, dude, he's all the way back in pride. You know what I mean? That's how long this guy's been around. And it's just there's so, so many punches that you could take. There's only so much damage you could take without affecting your later life quality correct so it was a really emotional scene afterwards Uriah Hall was crying and saying I'm sorry and that um you know Anderson was a legend to him and his inspiration which had a lot of us in our fields but again I don't I don't know if we've seen the last of Anderson Silva fighting but I think we've seen the last of him in the UFC so <clears throat> if that's the situation then all props to Anderson Silva Uriah Hall has a few more wins he needs to get before he talks about Izzy some more he's not he's not there yet uh, absolutely not. Just because you finish Anderson and Izzy didn't does not mean you are ready for that smoke from Izzy Asani right now, Uriah. So, um, yeah, shout out to the big uh, career for Anderson Silva. Love the guy, always did. Um, yeah, so hopefully he rides off to the sunset and he has a great rest of his life. And then he coaches his uh, his sons who are looking to be pretty pretty outstanding amateur kickboxers right now. So we'll have to wait and see what happens with those guys. So. We have now careened our way into giving Drea a call for here about Drea's world-famous drop of the night. So, D-Ray, let's go ahead and give Drea a call. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Rhino Gang, let's go ahead and get into our Drea's world-famous drop of the night. Thank you so much for joining us today, Drea. What was your pick? We had a whole bevy to choose from, a veritable buffet of drops from last night. Which one did you land on for your famous Drea's drop of the night? Well, you are right. Last night was full of KOs and TKOs. I mean, between MMA and boxing, there was just a whole lot going on. But I think I'm going to... The one that stood out the most for me was that freaking head kick by Adrian Yanez. Yanez hunted Rodriguez down, dropping him a couple times. um, And then Rodriguez was actually able to get up after the first. But then Yanez just hits them with a straight right and connects with a beautiful head kick that Rodriguez just didn't see coming and it dropped him um, and the fight was stopped. So my drop of the night goes to Adrian Yanez. And a beautiful drop of the night it was. I talked about it a little bit earlier before we gave you a call, Drea. And uh, the homie Steve from Head Kick Audio, that Adrian Yanez is his boy. And I was really stoked for my boy mm-hmm. Steve to have his buddy get the big win on his uh, UFC debut. So very, very cool. Wonderful drop of the night. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and get into our main card picks. for. Uh, and before we do that, we're going to make our main card picks for UFC um, Vegas 13. So I-, I picked pretty well last night. I went 9-2. and two. Drea was just slightly below. What did you end up with, Drea? 7-4. Seven. Seven and four. Seven and four. So still a pretty good pick. Uh, pretty good picks for you on that one. So I did beat you this week, but this could always change. As we know, it seems to change from week to week who wins between you and I. So for the good thing is we didn't tie. Uh, that's, you're <laughs> absolutely right. It's unfortunate that I lost, but hey, we didn't tie. <laughs> I know. I told you. I'd rather lose than let <laughs> me tie. Again. I know. So I know the the main card has shifted and changed, but I've I've got my my main card pick. So I've got like. But I've got five picks here, right? So whether or not I have five, game, did you pull from Topology, right? Yeah, I pulled from Topology, yeah. but I pulled from Topology yesterday, and I think they already mm-hmm. might have changed on that one too. But okay. I'll go ahead and give you what I have, and then you can have what you have, and then we can just kind of go from there. Does that sound good? Yeah, that's fine. All right, I will start uh, at the bottom of what I have, which I have. I think they're on the prelims now, but they originally were on the main card, which is Alexander Romanov. Um, I've got him beating Marcos Rogerio de Lima by third round TKO in the heavyweight division. Do you have a pick for that one? I don't. Okay. I think so so I checked first? it this morning. Yeah, yeah what's I checked it this pick? morning. So um, the first one that I have would be uh, Rayoni uh, Barcelos defeating Khalid Taha. Okay, I will co-sign on that one with you, and I'm going to have to look it up. I may change it later. Uh, then we've got Tanner Bosser versus Andre Arlovsky. Andre Arlovsky is one of those guys who's been around forever, 29 and 19. I, I've I've been in love with this guy's career from the very, very beginning, the pit bull, the former UFC heavyweight champion. I think the time is over, unfortunately. Tanner Bosser, the Canadian, has looked so good as of late. He's so fast for a 230-pound guy. So I got Tanner Bosser beating Andre Arlovsky by third-round TKO. Do you have a pick for that one? I do. Um, I'm also going – so you say Bosser and I say Bozer. So what is – is it Bosser? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. When I look at it, I see Tanner Bozer. So, hey, I'm picking Tanner Bozer. Um, TKO round two. See, I like it. I like it when it's like that because, like, um, if <laughs> – if you're right or I'm right, at least one of us is right. One of us is right. <laughs> yeah, I so think even just... like on commentary, I've heard it both ways. So I'm like, well, shit, well, who's right? I don't know. It's the same thing with Adrian Yanez. I've heard Yanez and Yanez. I've heard them both. So it's like, which one is right? I yeah. don't know. Um, gotcha. But yeah, but but yeah I, pick... think, I think Arlovsky's, I think he's, 
Dunzo. <laughs> Dunzo is right. I, think you're probably right. I have to ask a question about that on the uh, upcoming WOCast about that fight. So we'll see what mm-hmm. their opinion is on that as well. Um, right. Then we've got Jan versus Gedalia or Yan versus Gedalia in the 115 pound division. I got Yan beating Claudia by unanimous decision. What about you? The same. I actually went back and forth uh, on this one, but ultimately, my I think I'm going yawn. Yawn unanimous decision. All right, and then moving into I think I think these guys are still in the main card, which is Ian Heinish versus Brendan Allen. I've got Heinish. This is a very very close fight, dude. Uh, I think I, I think I got Heinish. Heinish, excuse me, um, edging out Brendan Allen by a third round TKO, but I think it's going to be a very close, very well competitive fight, but I got Heinish beating Allen second round. I'm sorry, third round TKO. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's going to be very close, um, but I think it's going to go the distance and I'm going split decision with Brendan Allen taking the, right. the victory on that one. Brendan Allen split decision for future play, Andrea. All right, getting into our main event, we have Thiago Santos and Glover Teixeira. It's very hard for me ever to pick against Glover Teixeira, but I have to in this situation. Mm-hmm. I've got Thiago Marietta Santos with a second-round clean KO. Not a TKO, not an early stoppage, not a late stoppage, a clean, out-cold KO for Thiago over Glover. What about you? I am taking Thiago over Glover, um, but I'm going a KO in the third. I agree. I think he's going to... He's going to knock him silly, and it's going to be in the third round. It hurts me to say, because I love I know. to share. I know, yeah, me I too. I like Tiago Santos, too. He's he's one half of my favorite MMA couple, I think, <laughs> with mm-hmm. Kudaskaya. But, uh, yeah, so that, that, that'll, be a fun, that'll be a fun one, dude. A lot of things can happen. It should be a stand-up war for as long as it lasts. So definitely looking forward to that. All right, let's go ahead and get into our Twitter questions. I know our first one comes from my homie up in Canada, Razor Sweet Potato. And, Dre, what does Razor Sweet Potato have for us today? The year is 2025. You're visiting one of the top MMA gyms in North America when suddenly the apocalypse hits. Be it zombie, nuclear, or alien apocalypse, which MMA gym would you want to be at when the shit hits the fan and why? (laughs) So I thought about this in like a multitude of different ways, dude. Like, where would I want to be? Who would I want to be around me? And then it became so clear as I got to the end of my thought process, I would want to be at Michigan top team. And there's a couple of reasons that are first and foremost. One, it's only like 15 minutes from my parents' house. So I could make it over to them, save them, bring them back to, to Michigan top team. And I could save my mom and dad who would do the same for me. So I definitely would do that. That's a B. If you guys follow Detroit superstar, Darren Cruikshank, you know, this guy has like an arsenal of weaponry. He, he, he is Mr. Tactical guns, shoot him up, <laughs> bang, bang, blow him up guy. So if it came down to hand to hand stuff, there's plenty of killers in that gym, him, Bobby Nash, Others, I can I can hold my own pretty well these days still. So uh, as far as like hand to hand stuff, I'd be okay with going with some zombies as long as they don't bite you, which I believe is how they get you. But <laughs> as far as like as far as like having like an arsenal of disposal, Darren Cruikshank, man, he's got them all. All of his videos are like him at Oakland Tactical shooting these these guns that I've never even seen or heard of. So yeah, for me for sure, Michigan top team. That's where I'm going to be. That's where I would want to be for uh, if any one of those things were to, God forbid, happen. That's my answer. <laughs> Ray Supertail, thank you so much for that question. Thank you for getting it in early, my dude. Always appreciate that. So 
Uh, I know our next one comes from the homie Cyrus King, the podcast host of the Combat Corner. And what does the King have for us this week, Drea? The King says, Dana White hated Anderson's performance last night. Was the performance really that bad? No! <laughs> no, it wasn't bad. <laughs> I, know, I don't know what he was talking about. I, I thought he did really well. Right. No, dude. Until I mean, he didn't. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, dude, I didn't think it was bad performance by Anderson at all. He won the first round clearly. The second round, I gave it to him, but he could have gone either way. But still, very competitive second round. Yes, mm-hmm. he got rocked at the end of the third and finished in the fourth. Uh, he fought a very good middleweight, dude. Uriah Hall is a very good fighter. He's won, I believe, four of his last five. He's on a good run right now. He's in a good space. Uh, Uriah Hall is a good fighter, very dangerous striker. Anderson Silva lost to a good fighter. He, he did not have a bad performance. He won a couple of rounds. In no way, shape, or form, but I think that I think this is all stems from Dana doesn't want to see him fight anymore, right? I know there's right. two fights left on his contract. I know that, you know, pretty much the narrative right now is that he's going to leave the UFC, whether or not he retires or not, up in the air, right? He said he wants to go back and talk to his team. That's what a lot of guys say. Dana White says things, and he and he does things in order to get what he wants done. And I believe that's the point of his criticism. That's the whole basis uh, and reasoning behind him criticizing Anderson's performance from last night. It wasn't a bad performance at all. It's just Dana trying to get what he wants, right? You know, so is that what kind of you think too, Drea? I do. And to to be honest, I was thinking the same thing. But then then I thought if he wanted him out, why didn't he give him a fighter that would have would have had less of a chance of winning? Let him win and let him retire. Because had he won last night, he would have retired. Like in my opinion, you know what I'm saying. So I feel like maybe he shouldn't have given him Uriah Hall, and it, he would have won. He would have retired, and then Dana would have had him out of the UFC, and it would have been good. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think he just he wants him to be dead. Right. So, dude, either way, I, I think we've seen the last of the legend Anderson Silva in uh, in the octagon. But have we seen the last of him fighting? Only he knows that and we don't. So mm-hmm. um, I did enjoy all of these Scott Coker memes and whatnot that were the gifts that were going on <laughs> as far as him, like, you know, peering around the tree or getting on his phone or whatever. They were all pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those, those are all good. So, Drea, I know you're not feeling great today. I appreciate you cutting it out and getting on the horn and delivering the, the people demand. Drea's drop of the night. The people know that that is one of the highlights of this show. We appreciate you coming on, and uh, hopefully you get some rest, and the Lions could actually go above 500 today. If you could possibly believe it, going against the tough Indianapolis Colts, the Lions win today. They're going to be four and three, which if you saw them early in the season, you would never. You never would have thought that that was going to happen. (laughs) I know. Our our schedule the rest of the season is looking pretty decent so in comparison to the rest of the division so it just depends on what team crossed. shows up yeah it depends on which exactly. team shows up we'll see it's all well, you can you. do with the lions is cross your fingers <laughs> every single time i know <laughs> all right thank you so much we'll talk to you again next week all right bye-bye all right ladies and gentlemen let's get into our voice questions i know our first one comes from my homie kairos from the shots fire pod kairos what do you got for us this week my dude hey rhino hey Dre. i'm sorry it's been a while it has been a minute i apologize But I came with a great question. If you are the head of the UFC, what are you doing with strawweight right now? I'm going to ask everybody because no one's talking about this. It's serious. This is one of my favorite divisions, and it's not moving forward like it should be. What should the UFC be doing right now with that division? Oh, Kairos, you're totally right. Uh, 115 is a really fun division. Very high-level talent. Really good fights more often than not. 
Um, besides the champ saying you've got Rose and JJ and Claudia, Watterson, Hill, Dern, I mean, et cetera, et cetera, there is a bevy of talented fighters at 115. I would love to see them get a little bit more of a push as far as the spotlight being shown on them. If I get to become Rhino White as opposed to Dana White, right, then it, I would definitely pursue some sort of a card where I can get two or three or maybe even four 115 fighters on that card. They seem to be very few and far between. You're absolutely right. The, the spotlight has been off of that division. I don't know if it's because JJ's been out or hurt or, or, or what the situation is, but there is a ton of talent. So if I get to be Rhino White as opposed to Dana White for a while, I'm definitely putting the shine on the 115-pound division. I want to see them move forward. Super-duper deep, super-duper tough. Absolutely, I co-sign on that 100%, dude. Thank you so much, Kairos. If you guys haven't already, absolutely check out Kairos at the Shots Fired Pod. I'm also really looking forward uh, to his content from his new YouTube show or the relaunch, I guess you will. So really looking forward to that, Kairos. And uh, and again, I saw your video where you had blown a tire by the giant bell tire that we have in Detroit. I can't believe that I saw that and then you were out there. It reminded me I passed by that tire so many times off of Telegraph Road there. So I'm sorry that you had a flat tire, but it, it made me feel a little bit nostalgic to look at the big bell tire um, over there off Telegraph. So thank you so much, my friend. I know our next one comes from my girl, Gina. G-Spot from the Wocast and Shots Fired. Gina, what do you got for us this week? Hey Rhino, it's G-Spot MMA, Gina from the WOCast. My question is becoming a, a weekly thing on the show, huh? And you know why? Because I fucking love your show. And I also like to hear my voice on your show, so I get excited. Anyway, um, what do you think of um, Izzy going to fight um, Yan in, in 2021? What are your thoughts on that fight? Do you like champ champ fights? Do you think it holds up the division or are you warm and welcoming to to this type of fight uh, i don't know how i feel about it yet but um i'll get back to you on it but right now i want to know what you think of it and you have a wonderful day hun. normally i am not a fan of the whole champ champ deal gina i do feel like it jams up the division it holds things up but and this is a big but <laughs> in this particular case i'm for it here's why izzy has faced and beaten the pretty much the, all the best guys at 185 thus far the he is big enough, strong enough, uh, skilled enough to compete in at 205. He's done it in kickboxing. He's done it in boxing. He's he's competed with bigger guys. The the fact that Jan is where he is and he just won and he's taking this fight next year. I don't know when. We don't. None of us know when. But he's going to be fighting Izzy. Jan is a good fighter. I believe he's he'd be a good 205 champion for a while. I don't see him as being one of those guys who is going to have some long 10 fight. DJ type of run at 205. I just don't. The The whole thing is to set up John Jones. We know it. You know it. I know it. I believe that's what it is. So we want, and by saying we, I mean the brass of the UFC. They want Izzy to jump up to 205, beat Jan for the title, set up a fight with John Jones. That would be a mega fight. That would bring in all kinds of extra pay-per-view dollars. It's a fight that we'd all want to see. I think that's the whole subplot to this entire thing. So, to answer your question, I don't normally like to champ champ deal because i do think it does hold up divisions however i also think izzy likes to stay active so if he is to win 205 and have the 85 belt i think he's going to defend both of them simultaneously uh so i think that won't bog it down too too much 
Uh, yeah, so I think that's what's going to happen. And I'm actually kind of looking forward to it, to be honest with you. So thank you so much, D. If you guys haven't already, absolutely check out G at the Wocast, Shots Fired. Uh, fabulous podcast, better person, lover. Thank you so very much, G. All righty, so now that we're done with our voice questions, let's go ahead and hear a quick word from our sponsor, K&R Designs. Hey, Rhino Gang, are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? We'll look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. All right, ladies and gentlemen, now let's get into our 10 rounds with Rhino with LFA Bantamweight coming off of his Huge win on Friday night. My man out of Fortis MMA in Dallas, Texas, Fernie Garcia. Hello, ladies and gentlemen out there in podcast land. Once again, you are with Rhino, and we are going to do our 10 rounds with my guest this week, Fernie Garcia, fighting this very Friday for the LFA on UFC Fight Pass in the Bantamweight division. My man, Fernie, thank you so much for joining us today, sir. Thank you for having me, Rhino. Oh, dude, I'm so stoked to have you on, especially this close to a fight. Very, very cool. So, Fernie, the first round with Rhino, as I do with almost all of my guests, dude, we gotta. I love to learn the backstory. How did you get into MMA? Um, I had a pretty simple transition. I got no dramatic story into <laughs> into it. Um, uh, I've been competing all my life. Uh, I, I wrestled and grappled uh, since very early in my life, since middle school. I was grappling, doing jujitsu. So, um, my family's Mexican as well. So, boxing has always been there. So after high school, I just it's just very easy transition to keep grappling at the highest level or or keep uh, boxing, whatever. It all just MMA was barely growing around 2011 when I graduated. So it was just a very simple transition for me to um, if I wanted to compete at the highest level, I, I knew I was going to be able to have to get into MMA. Very cool, dude. Now you, unlike some uh, in the MMA game, had a pretty good uh, and and long amateur career you fought in the amateurs for a good while you had you know lots of fights in there do you think that that's a big fucking reason that why you'd be able to jump out to a seven and one and by the way folks if you watch the one blemish that's on fernie's record it's pretty debatable dude so <laughs> the guy's yeah. seven and one so you got to think do you think your amateur career had a big part in how you've been able to jump out to such a good start in your pro career absolutely i took a couple of losses in amateur but i was i was fighting while i was learning and I was as I mean, I've always kind of been a smart guy. So I, I knew that amateur is just learning experiences. So in, in amateur, my amateur career, I was out there and I was fighting the people that nobody really wanted to fight in 
in their hometowns, you know. I was still living in El Paso, um, so I, I was going to Arizona fighting the guys over there that nobody wanted to fight with your records. I was going to Vegas and fighting the guys over there that nobody wanted to fight. So I was just traveling and being kind of like that stepping stone for them, which I, I was aware of. It's not like, you know, I was getting suckered into taking these guys against these fights against these good guys, you know. I, I was yeah. well aware of, and I never lost. But again, it, my amateur career, couple split decision losses, split decision losses against all these guys, short notice. But I knew behind my mind, I knew that all this was going to help me for my pro career. And once I start turn pro, you know, I tightened things up and, and sure did help me. Yeah, dude, absolutely. I think a lot of people are, uh, have, are under the misconception that your amateur career should be spotless and it should be, you know, have 15 and 0 going into be a pro. No, dude, you learn on the job, you get, you get the experience of the amateurs and then apply it to the pro career where it actually really matters. So absolutely. I totally co-sign on your uh, theory on that, dude. So when you look at a lot of your wins, there's one thing that comes up often, bro. And that's the rear naked choke method of victory. Is this your favorite way to end a fight? And how did you get, how'd you learn this technique? Absolutely. Um, like I told you, I've been grappling for, <clears throat> for a long time. I'm really good at scrambling, right? So I wanted to, Every time we scrambled, I ended up in the back every single time, right? That's just my favorite thing to do. And then over the years, I kind of just been perfecting back control, perfecting back control, perfecting back control. And just with that, it, it got to the point where I got really good at choking people out. And uh, now I've been, what, uh, four four years at Fortis MMA here in Dallas. And, I mean, training, guys, training with guys like, what, Damon Jackson, Steven Peterson, all those guys have – rear naked chokes at least six in their careers too so it's only been it's only been helping me yeah dude that's a great transition to my next question so fortis mma in dallas is an absolute premier gym in the united states owned by former nba star darren williams home to likes you already mentioned a couple guys but diego fajeda ryan span alex moreno there's tons of great talented fucking killers who are at that gym that can only help what is training at fortis mma meant to you in your career so far Everything. It's really actually um, changed my life, basically. Um, I mean, I, I've always knew I had the talent to, to go to the UFC, but once I got the the structure and that winning culture you have at Fortis MMA, um, Coach Safe is the head coach there, and he runs a very tight ship, you know. Um, no nonsense, zero tolerance. It's, you know, we're all dedicated to, to win and, and to bring a world championship there. And uh, it takes all of us. And like I said, he, he takes no nonsense. And it's just been everything for me, for him to let me train there for the last four years. Oh, that's awesome, dude. And for people who don't know, Texas is gihugian of a state. So it's like, well, he just went from El Paso to Dallas. That's a huge fucking distance away. And you had to completely uproot your life and move to a whole different area and everything. So, dude, it just shows the dedication that you have to your craft. And we think that's very, very cool over here at CSWR. So, dude, you are fighting this Friday uh, in the um, in the LFA in Kansas. You're fighting a guy named Ryan Hayes. Uh, he's out of Oklahoma, so shout out to the old school Texas versus Oklahoma rivalry there. Uh, what can you tell us about him or what you're looking what you're looking to expect in the cage this Friday, dude? Um. This is probably one of the biggest, uh, biggest tests I'll have so far. Um, he's he's nine and five or nine and six, something like that. Yeah, I think he's nine but, and six. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, um, he but he's finished all 
uh, eight out of his nine wins. I mean, he went to decision his last fight. But before that, he's finished all his guys. He has, uh, what, like five Renegade Chokes, three guillotines. He, I know he got his brown belt like in 2015 or 16. Probably should be a black belt by now. He has a bunch of kickboxing fights. And he's just game, you know. He has no weaknesses. He's 31 years old. Should be at, you know, at his prime. He's looks in shape. So I'm really excited for, for this guy because he has no weaknesses. You know, I've, I've always had kind of guys that have a little weakness somewhere that I can capitalize on. And this guy does, doesn't, you know, he's kickboxer. He likes to stand up. He's game. He's in shape. Or if we go to the ground, he has brown or black belt. And his wrestling is really good, too. So, it, you know, it, it's going to be a really tough fight. So it's a great matchup, and we're all looking forward to watching it, dude. I can't wait, dude. It's only a few days away, but it feels like, come yeah. on, let's go. Let's get started. It's defi- <laughs> definitely going to be a good one for sure. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So more than just a fighter, almost all of us who became professionals, we were all fans of the sport to begin with. Can you tell us some of the guys as you were coming up who you really enjoyed watching, uh, both either in the UFC or any other MMA organization? Um. So I grew up in a Mexican family, of course. I grew up watching Juan Manuel Marquez, the boxer. Oh yeah. I dude. mean, of course, um, Oscar De La Hoya, um, Antonio Barrera. Like they're they're all boxers. Just uh, you know, just Mexican boxers coming up. I mean, now I got a little older. I got obsessed with Canelo's movement. His. It, <laughs> hey, it, sure. it, it, it's weird that all my all my like idols are, are boxers, but. It's probably had a lot to do with my transition to a, a, a boxer guy in the cage. <laughs> but, yeah, a, a lot of my idols are, are boxers, Mexican boxers, more than these MMA guys. Very, very cool, dude. So Friday will be your fourth fight for the LFA organization. Should you come out on the right side of it, which all of us here think you're going to, um, do you feel like that's that's going to be like a, the last kind of um, – level you need to level up on before it's time for a shot either in bellator or the ufc a hundred percent i think i think they should prove it and i mean there's a lot of questions to be answered even for me like i i'm excited for this fight because it's gonna answer a lot of questions you know this guy's tough on the ground he i'm telling you he has black belt he has good wrestling he has eight finishes he has twice as many fights as me he you know he has way more experience than me he started training before I did. So, yeah, definitely. Um, this is going to prove to me, not just to myself, but I think if I put him away, I think I'll, you know, punch my way into the UFC. Dude, I love that idea, and I, and I respect the confidence, and I totally agree with you on board, on board 100%. So, dude, my obligatory food question, because there's always one in every yeah. 10 rounds with Rhino. So my obligatory food question is this. You got to cut weight. You got to get through the fight. Everything that's all over and done with, dude. You've been watching your calories. You've been watching your intake for however many long weeks it's been. So now you get to smash anything in the world. What are you eating and where is it from? Oh, we have a little chain, uh, a little small pizza chain here in, in Texas. It's called Peter Piper Pizza. I don't know if you heard of it. <laughs> I have not. It's weird, but just a pizza that's all i don't even when i'm not on a diet i don't even crave pizza i don't even eat pizza you know but for some reason every time i'm cutting weight i want pizza 
I think just because it has that stereotype bad food, but <laughs> I just want pizza, like any type of pizza I'll eat. But I'm telling you, when I'm not even on a diet, I don't even eat pizza. I don't even like it. I think it's just because I know I can't eat it, and, I, and it's so unhealthy. <laughs> I just want it. <laughs> I feel like I'm kind of the same way with alcohol, dude. Like I don't really, drink. <laughs> I never really did. But like uh, after every fight I ever had, dude, I just I really wanted a cold beer after every single one. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's one of those deals where you you're right. Maybe you just kind of block it out. And then it's like, okay, this is this is the time for this. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. Uh, I feel the same way. Every time, like, getting closer to a fight, I'm like, man, I'm 28. I want to go out, man. I want to have fun. You know, I need to be out. But, I mean, never. I mean, I go out, like, once a year. Like, I'm never out. Same. <laughs> same, dude. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, dude. So, the uh, so Kansas has open scoring. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever experienced that before. Do you think open scoring is a is a good thing? Is it a negative thing? Does it make you uh, is it good as a fighter in there? Because I never had open scoring, so I've never experienced that. Um, what do you, what's your thoughts on open scoring? Like you're going to be experiencing this uh, this Friday in Kansas. Uh, you know, yeah, I found out as soon as I took the fight about like a month ago. I found out about that open scoring thing. I don't really know what to think of it yet um i mean yeah. i started it's different it's like 100 different i think it's it's 100 different it's not like something like oh they have open scoring no big deal for me it's it's pretty big deal you know it's absolutely like you, yeah of course it's like you go into a basketball game and they're like oh no we're playing four minute uh four minute quarters now it's like <laughs> right, it's, it's not right. the same thing <laughs> it's not something you can like oh, okay cool like no man it's a change of the sport it's not like a little change, like a change of the rules or something. Like, no, man, that I think that's that's a huge deal. But I'm not gonna let it get to me too much. I'm not, I'm very confident. Um, I I think if anything, I'll change the third round of fighters' game plannings. Um, I'm sure I'll be up two rounds going in the third round if we get there. So yeah. uh, he'll uh, I'm sure he'll try to come after me. Um, uh, maybe harder than usual. Or or vice versa, you know, we cut there yeah. too. I'll, I'll at least I'll have the chance, you know, I'm down and and uh, go after him. Um, I'm sure there'll be. I mean, it, it's only in Kansas, so we don't see that much. But if it would be like a national thing, for sure, we'd see more uh, game planning going into the third, like kind of just uh, less risk, risk yeah. management, risk management in the third round, for sure. No, dude, absolutely. That was, that was a great answer. Yeah, it's one of those things where when MMA has been the certain way for 25 years and then you throw this whole new uh, layer or level to it, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And I just kind of wanted to hear what a fighter who's going to be experiencing it for the first time. Was well, I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's a little different with me. I mean, I've talked to at least 10, 15 fighters about this and like, I don't care. Like, they're like, I don't care. I'm going to go in there and fight. Even people that fought in the last Kansas events, like, I don't care. Just go in there and fight. It's, it's nothing new. It's, it's the same thing. Like, uh, no, it's not. Um, no, no, <laughs> right. it's not. I mean, I mean, Belichick doesn't throw the ball. I mean, up twenty-eight in the fourth round. Like, no, it's not the same thing. I mean, you run the ball and you, you run the clock, and and I think that I, I, that's the way I think at least. I mean, sure, I'm not gonna go in for overhand rights or, or shots that are gonna expose me to guillotines or or anything risky up two rounds, you know, and and that's the way I look at it. No, you're absolutely right, dude. You're taking a very cerebral approach to it, which we thought, which we find refreshing and awesome, and I'm fucking stoked for it, dude. So, Fernie, dude, we have careened our way into the tenth round with Rhino. Here, here's where we're gonna kind of 
we're, we're trying to grow people, right? We're trying to get people's names out there that maybe don't get the shine that they that they often deserve. So let the people know, let my fans know, let the Rhino Gang know, let everybody listening know how they can follow you on your socials. Uh, you know what I mean? How to keep track of you in your career? Like how do we how do we follow along with Fernie Garcia? So it's pretty simple, guys. On Instagram and Twitter, um, um, I'm at at Team F Garcia. So it's just Team F Garcia. You can follow me on Instagram, on Twitter. Um, and I'm pretty active on there. Like, uh, you'll, you'll see my fight updates, my training updates, my morning sessions, my afternoon sessions every now and then. Definitely follow me on Twitter and Instagram, uh, again, at uh, Team F Garcia. Well, we are most certainly going to be doing that, dude. We cannot tell you how much we appreciate you taking your time out. The, uh, the week leading up to a fight is always a stressful time. So, dude, we really, really appreciate you taking some time out from that and uh, talking to us today. Thank you, man. All righty. We'll talk to you later, sir. Good luck on Friday. Thanks, Rhino. Thanks for having me. This is Fernie Garcia, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. Man, dude, I love I love getting to know fighters that I didn't have a huge uh, backlog of their stuff in my brand that I knew about. Fernie could not have been cooler to talk to. We talked a little bit off the air as well as on, obviously. What a cerebral fighter. What a smart guy. What a great uh, stand-up fighter. He proved himself to be not only his previous fights, but he did on Friday night. I was so glad to see him win. What a great guy. Absolutely look forward to having him back in the future. So, thank you so much again, Ferdy. Now, let's get into our shout-outs and our outro. Definitely thank you to this week's contributors, Raise Sweet Potato, Cyrus Kane from Combat Corner, Kairos and Gina from the Shots Fired and Wocast. Thank you guys so, so very much. Definitely have to shout-out to my people in the Rhino gang, Lance Brown, the Scream Queen Supreme, Jess, Scott Nolan, APB, D. Kranz, Miss Fight Diva, Pokemama, Mike Morgan from the Woe and Shots Fired, uh, the ladies of the TKO podcast, all the homies at the MCCI, Trouble, Brat MMA, Sin City Sarah, Marquise, Mr. B, uh, Ashley MMA Nerd, Unsolicited Fight Picks, my girl Molly at Molly at uh, Molly, who is at Hells underscore Bells 99. If you guys want to check out some uh, some very cool wrestling stuff, she also writes for WrestleJoy. A, a very, very cool young lady. Very cool take on pro wrestling if you're into that. A lot like I am. So, Drea, D-Raids, Dave Fretz, my triumvirate, the backbone of CSWR. Thank you guys so much for all of your help again this week. Be kind, everybody. Black Lives Matter. Big interview scheduled for this week, so stay tuned for that. And we will see you next week. Kate Sai!